Welcome to Stay in the Truck. This week we'll preview week four of college football. So grab you a cold beverage and let's go. Welcome to Stay in the Truck, the ultimate podcast for sports enthusiasts and avid gamblers alike. Each week we'll provide you with invaluable insights, analysis, and tips to elevate your game. We can be found on all major podcasts and social media outlets. See the show notes for details. Stick around to the end to hear this week's most boneheaded sports moments with our Stay in the Truck Awards. So let's jump right into this week's show. Wow, what a week with college football. I really thought this was going to be kind of a vanilla week. There was some exciting stuff going on this week. There's a lot of lot of talk this week about that Colorado-Colorado State game and a lot of talk about that hit from the safety on to uh, Travis Hunter. Lacerated liver. Uh-oh. Out for how many weeks? Three weeks? So three to four weeks. Three to four weeks. But, it, yeah, it was a late hit. Yeah, it was a cheap shot. But this is football. And these guys were chirpy, and they were talking shit, and they were going at it pregame. The coaches were going at it. Well, that game was a circus from the get-go. I mean, all the celebrities on the sidelines, all the sunglasses and everything, they've kind of lost touch in the fact that, you know, it's a football game. And, you know, somebody I saw somebody had mentioned it looked like the BET Awards. over Yeah, there the, the announcer said that because there were two yep. African-American announcers that made a comment about this looks more like the BET Awards than it does a college football game. Travis Hunter couldn't have missed uh, three better games coming up, right? Oregon, they're going to lose. USC, they're going to lose. And then Arizona State, which is a dumpster fire, so they should win that game easily. So with or without Travis Hunter, it looks like uh, future has been drawn up for the Colorado Buffaloes the next three weeks, in my opinion. This was what what you call like a Thanksgiving week game. This was a rivalry game played in the third week of the season. And besides of all all the hype and besides all the stars on the sideline, this was a, a team Colorado that's been setting the world on fire that came into this thing just over a three touchdown favorite. And this, boys and girls, this was a football game. I don't know if y'all watched it because it was here on the East Coast halftime. Was it like one thirty a.m. But this was a phenomenal football game uh, all around. Uh, both teams played well. Both teams played hard. It, it was fun to watch. Um, it was exciting to watch. I don't know how many million people have ever stayed awake to watch Colorado and Colorado State. A bunch but, of them did Saturday. But a bunch of them did this week. I want to say, uh, I know he's got a lot of tough games coming up, but at the end of week three, we got Shadur Sanders coming in with a 98-yard drive yep. to tie a game and then win in overtime. Boys and girls, this Heisman talk is not just about Caleb Williams anymore. Yeah. Shador Sanders is is on the map. Uh, Michael Penix is playing out of this world. He is on the map. Through three games, 1,251 yards, 10 touchdowns, and just through his first pick. Mm. Yeah, they showed the average ticket price from 2022 for Colorado was $121, and this year it's 517 So mm. Dion has definitely brought the hype, and they're filling the stadium, and there's excitement, and – I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw Colorado at a prime TV slot. Was Coach Neville tipped off to make the comment about the glasses? Because y'all know that that Dion's that that's his oh, sunglass yeah. company, right? And Coach. you know that he encouraged after all that went around everybody to buy some. And you know that his sunglass company sold over a million dollars worth of sunglasses in one day. Well, Norville was he was very complimentary of Dion leading up to the game too about how two black coaches at these two schools was the first time ever this and that and the other and how. He had nothing but good things to say about Dion. So, yeah, it could have been all planned out. Who knows? Norville's getting a little uh, 
little money in his pocket from that deal. He ought to have his ass kicked for not winning that game in regulations, what he ought to do. Yeah. Have you guys looked at the top 25 AP poll that come out? No. I have, yes. It's a little disturbing for me as an SEC fan. Ooh. I mean, currently right now. Alabama's Georgia, out of the top 10 for the first time in 112 weeks. 112 years. That's what it feels like. Georgia is literally the only SEC team in the top 10. Well, hey, that's why I want to start with this Pac-12. Look at this lineup in the Pac-12. I mean, until they start playing each other with some tough games, Washington is on a tear. Washington is ripping through people. Uh, they look scary. You know, Utah is going to Utah is is doing their thing without their starting quarterback. What's going to happen when Cam Rising comes back? Uh, should be this week that he makes his comeback. I don't think he's playing. Really? We'll talk about that. In a okay. But yeah, you look at these quarterbacks. Oregon, Bo Nix, killing look, it. You got Penix. This is overall rating, overall QB rating leaders for college football. Penix Jr. is number one. Shador's number two. Then you go down to Cam Ward at Washington State. He's number six. They're they're all over. I mean, you got the guy, uh, Jaden Lauren from uh, Arizona. He's at number 12. I mean, Bo Nix, 16. They're all over the top 20. Caleb Williams, 20, and he really ain't even got started. Well, he didn't play this week. Yeah. They, were they off this week? Yeah, they had a bye week. Uh, exciting stuff coming out of there. UCLA is on fire. But uh, a lot of things are going to change this Saturday. Quarterbacks. All right. Okay. Heisman. Okay. Here's the favorites. Penix, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Sam Hartman, Shador Sanders. I mean, Shador Sanders was 250 to 1 at one point in time. Now he's plus 1,800. I mean, that's crazy. It is crazy. I think that's going to drop, though. I think that uh, we're going to see him some struggles. But, I mean, oh, he, he, it might start this weekend. I mean, they were a 23-point favorite. You know he's going to he's going to The look-ahead line, they were a 10-point favorite. when in, pre, in an early, you know, before the season started, they were a 10-point favorite. Yeah. Everybody jumped on Colorado State, like everybody. And then when this line came out, they were like, oh, damn, we done made a terrible bet. Now, they covered with the 10 points anyway. But Colorado, man, I mean, look, perception is a lot. They should have won that damn game. Is that what it finished at, 10? No, when it the preseason, oh, gotcha. the, they okay. call them look ahead games. Okay, gotcha. games of the years with the sports book. Let's say because it was twenty two and a half or yeah. something, right? But but when the line come out in February or March, whichever one you want to grab it at, right? They okay. were ten point favorites. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, and then you got um, you know, you want to talk about the Pac twelve? Look at Washington. Washington goes up to Michigan State, only laying sixteen points, and absolutely. Knocks them upside the head, forty-one to seven, and it could have been worse than that. It they could didn't have score been. in the fourth quarter. No, they just they, they barely scored a third. Michael Penix, four hundred seventy-three yards, four touchdowns, thirty-five to nothing at halftime. Yeah, I mean, they, they turn out in, the lights. They put Party's in the over. the towel boy in, yeah. for the in the in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean uh, Utah again. Yeah, it was Weber State with thirty-one to seven. Utah might have they definitely got a top five defense in the nation for sure. Yep, for sure. Oregon goes out to uh, – gets Hawaii, comes into Eugene. Oregon knocks them upside the head, 55 to 10. Hawaii got a late touchdown in the fourth quarter just to get to 10. Yeah. Bo Nix, 247 yards, three touchdowns. Oregon State, they rolled San Diego State, 24 to 6. Colorado beat Colorado State. UCLA rolls North Carolina Central. Washington State rolls Northern, Northern Colorado, 64 to 21. Sacramento State upset Stanford. I don't even know if you really want to call it is an that upset. that an upset, though, Look, really? Sacramento State's old coach is the Stanford head coach. California actually held on and, and beat a good Idaho team. 
you know, California's not that good, and that gives me big-time worries about my Auburn Tigers because we got to make that track out there to the 12th man this week over there at College Station. No. I'm not looking forward to that at all. Well, so. you love some Texas A&M, Jeff. Yeah. Hey, Bobby Petrino's got the offense clicking. They're probably going to put half a hundred up on Auburn because uh, we cannot stop the run. I can tell you that right now. They're going to run at will and then throw all over us. I mean, it's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> Halftime like... be 28 to 3, and it'll be looking all stupid as hell. Keep like, your what eyes the hell on. just happened? I know the Arizona State is a dumpster, but keep your eyes on 3 0 Fresno State. Keep your eyes on and see what they got going this year. They're going to, yeah. I think they got a little something going on out there. Mountain West, you know, that. They had a good team last year. Even, you know, Jake Hayner left. I think he got cut by the Saints, actually, or he might still be the backup. But he left from the quarterback position out there to the NFL. But they still got a good team. So, How about Missouri upsetting Kansas State with the uh, thicker kicker kicking a 61-yard field goal at the last minute there to, to pull it out? 60. What, by what the hair it? on his chinny chin 61 chin. yards. I heard it was the longest field goal in SEC history. Was it really? That's what I heard. Oh, Missouri's just a wild card right now. How do you how do you even rate somebody that just plays as good as the team on the other side of the ball? Well, they're so anemic on offense. Yeah, they had this little outburst against Kansas State, and from what I understand, Drinkwitz finally just totally relinquished the play calling and gave it to his offensive coordinator. So they went from running the ball sixty percent, sixty five percent, to where this week it was like more like seventy percent pass. They opened the guy. Run. They opened up a little bit. Cook the quarterback. He can actually play pretty damn good when they let him go. Luther Burton, the receiver, had a big game. So, you know, that maybe they'll turn the corner there. I, I don't know, but I really don't look for them to do a whole lot. But in this SEC, especially this East, Tennessee is a for sure dumpster fire. I was big on the game of the week. I thought Missouri was going to – I was big on taking that – I thought that was going to be a locked game. Uh, yeah. What was they? What were they favored over Middleton and Tennessee? Like uh, – oh. Well, 21 or 27 like that, yeah. or I don't remember what it was but I remember that week I said uh, I thought I thought that uh, Middle Tennessee wasn't going to be able to stop them they were going to hang 30 something on them and, and, and I, that was one of my picks for the week and then it became such a close game I it, I don't even know what to say about it so then I flipped my thinking and I'm like well shit as bad as they played against Middle mm-hmm. Tennessee Kansas, Kansas State's going to be a pick at minus three. That's going to be a give me. Yep. And damn, Missouri wins. So. Got my money. Well, back to the game of the week, if there was one, Tennessee at Florida, huh? That was uh, Tennessee was favored by six and a half. I thought they were going to go in there and roll, but they could not stop ETN. 23 carries, 172 yards. God just uh, took off whenever he wanted. He is a game changer, game wrecker. He can absolutely put six on you before you even know what happened. Especially, especially with that awesome Tennessee tackling they were oh doing. Oh, my God. Well, Florida, we, Florida scored 20 unanswered points in the second quarter. We previewed the SEC East preseason, and, and I emphasized how big of a turd Joe Milton was and how this Tennessee team was so overrated, and I didn't think that they were going to have a de- – not even a good year. I don't mm. think they're going to have a decent year. Mm-mm. I believe somebody at this table picked Tennessee as one of their picks last week covering – Yeah, that might have been me. Uh, and well, I definitely uh, pro- had probably a, everybody but you because yeah. you were high on Florida. Hey, I'm telling you, Florida. Hey, I told y'all that Florida was going to be the surprise team in the SEC East. I also said that Utah is a really good football team, a top five football team. And even me saying Florida was going to be the surprise team in the SEC East, I didn't say that they were going to go out there and beat Utah. I think that uh, well, they I mean, were in that game. I mean, I think they were in the game. They were they were in it for a long time, and I think Utah wins the Pac-12. I mean, I'm I'm going to stick with that for a while now. I'm heard today talking about Cam Rising. Yeah, right? let's talk about him. Probably not coming back this week. Now they're starting to speculate: is he going to come back at all? 
Or is he going to get himself ready for the NFL? Mm. So I, I think he I comes would back. Say, I would say tamper my expectations till we know for sure. If he doesn't come back, I'm going with Oregon in the Pac-12. <laughs> the way the way good Bo Nix has been showing up. I mean, with good this boat. year's quarterback class, he better come back if he wants to improve his draft stock. You got Caleb Williams coming out, Shador Sanders, Drake May. It's two injuries to him though. He's, he's hurt. He's going to plummet down the uh, draft board, I would think, unless he until he goes to the combine. Yeah, true. I mean, Depends on if he shows out. It's pro day. I mean, listen, they're still – Justin Fields is still starting oh, games in God. the NFL after being a second-string you know. quarterback at Georgia, uh, going up to Ohio State and playing flag football with he that unbelievable team they had. Or it was uh, – was it Easton he couldn't no, beat it was, uh, it was Jake from oh, – Oh, yeah, from, Jake from, Jake from State, State Farm, Farm or whatever his name is. Yeah. And, uh, and they're still and, – and, you know, if you listen to ESPN, they're so high on him. He can be one of the top no. five. The guy is he, – he's is Joe Milton – Anthony Richardson, all these guys coming up, they're just the next great athlete that that people are trying to make quarterbacks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He threw so. that pick six yesterday in Tampa Bay and the betters just lost their mind because it killed it killed the cover and it killed all the teasers. Yeah. I mean, it was an absolute nightmare. Well, just while we're on this real quick and we'll jump back into our college setting. Ohio State QBs yeah. playing in the NFL right now. For the 2023 season. Are you counting Burrow? Are 0 and 6. Are you counting Burrow? Yeah. 0 so, and 6. So who's that? Burrow, Stroud, Fields, and Stroud. Okay. Yep. Well, how about, how about them? That's apples? good. How about them apples? And Carnell Jones is a host on CBS Sports Network. No. I just don't know how these announcers hey, are not. Carnell Jones is the one that beat Bama. For the yes. National Championship. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big dude, isn't he? Wasn't oh, he like yeah. huge? Huge. I remember him coming in just huge. looking like a grown yes. man playing with children. Yes. Yeah, he's a big old dude. All right, let's jump back into that SEC real quick. Georgia out of the gate struggles. What are we going to do, guys? How are we going to get them fired up to play the first quarter? Well, if Carson Beck can go down to the second or third level, I think we'll be all right. But he's got to quit taking these little uh, dump passes and, and expand the field a little bit. Is it Carson Beck checking down, or is it Mike Bobo calling shit plays? Mm. I think the receivers are open down at the second and third level. He's just uh, too timid to throw, in my opinion, based on what I've seen. The receivers are open. I think he's scared he's going to throw a pick, so he's just not letting it fly. And he's got a cannon, so... I think if he just lets it rip and hell, man, I'll take an interception or two if he's throwing six or twelve touchdowns to go with it. So I heard uh, the big right tackle Mims is going to miss four or five weeks. Oh yeah, he went down ankle. hard. He's yeah. having what's called tight, tight rope surgery. Yeah, on his ankle, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So well, I mean, that's just you know plug and play for Georgia, right? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, we've got the the depth to do it. Uh, a couple of other things that happened this week in the SEC. We talked about Missouri a little bit. Um, LSU, LSU rolled over an uh, rolled over Mississippi a State. Mississippi State team that is just not very. They good. did not look good. It yeah. was it was really bad. How about BYU gets Arkansas in Fatville? How about that? Ooh. Yeah, that was a little surprise. Yep, yep. BYU's undefeated. And then you had Tech and Ole Miss, who was a hell of a game. You know, ten to three at halftime. It was a good game. It was a lot better than most people thought it was going to be. Yeah. 10 to 3 at halftime, and then Ole Miss outscores them 34 to 20 in the second half. Well, mainly that fourth quarter. They put yeah. 24 in that fourth yeah. quarter and it walked away. Yes. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> the big elephant in the room. What about that Literally. elephant that didn't show oh, up to that room boy. this week? Well, Alabama. 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 It's over. It was tied 
three to three at halftime. Halftime. Jalen Milrow Son. did not see the field, but he has been announced a starter for this week. So maybe Nick was just trying to say, "Hey, hey. I'm telling y'all, I don't want to hear about it no more." Yeah. This is what you get if Milrow's not playing. Hey, and you know what? The other thing is, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna make a change to prove to the to the team and to the doubters and the naysayers that that are yelling, put the backups in. This that's the team to do it against because they knew at any time they assumed at any time that they could step up their game and and, yep. and beat South Florida, and so they did. Do you, but do you really think Saban was just appeasing some people and, and just proving a point? I really think Nick Saban knew he wasn't going to lose that game. Well, yeah. I mean, look, they held the the quarterback Brian Brown from South Florida. He had eighty seven yards. Yeah, no touchdowns, interception. I mean, he wasn't worried about that. that yeah. He wasn't worried about that. Now they did give up one hundred seventy seven yards on the ground, but there's Trouble brewing over there. We'll see what happens this week. Now, look, they're six and a half point favorite. Okay. Maybe seven in some spots or whatever over Ole Miss. But let's be honest about this Ole Miss team. Okay. If Pratt was quarterbacking for Tulane two weeks ago, they lose that game. Okay. They wasn't going to beat Tulane. They, they were beat. They were beat. And they got lucky. They caught a break. They ended up winning the game. Last week, if Tech had some depth, if they just had some depth and could tackle a little bit better. They probably, probably, they might win, but it wouldn't have been like it was. So now you're going to ask this Ole Miss team to go to Tuscaloosa with the GOAT over there who is beside himself, I'm sure. I mean, he probably made the players walk back to Tuscaloosa from Tampa Saturday after the game. <laughs> you know, Everybody catch a ride. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. So I, I, I cannot, in this particular spot, I just got to believe that they'll have something dialed up. And I think Ole Miss might be coming in a little bit high on the hog, and they might get a wake-up call. But we'll, we'll discuss that here at, toward the end of the show. But that's just my opinion. But all that being said, it's over in Tuscaloosa, boys and girls. <laughs> I'm not ready to ring them up just to bed just yet, Jeffrey, but I'm glad to hear that you are. Yeah. Well, unless, unless they have a, a, a number, a top-five quarterback coming in. They do. They do. You know, they, they can start right away. It's over, but they're going to need a game changer. And I tell you what, man, this was South Florida. This is two weeks in a row that I've watched an Alabama team that used to just physically, even if they weren't out playing somebody from a skill point, they were physically dominant in every game they played. And I've seen these last two weeks an Alabama team get manhandled a good part of the game. You know, had the physicality brought to them instead of the other way around. Texas, Texas, definitely. Yeah, yeah there was there were several top teams that struggled this week, and, and Texas definitely was one. Again, another surprise. They were tied ten to ten against Wyoming. Such at a bad, bad spot for Texas, though. Bad spot. You're laying four touchdowns. You're coming off the biggest win, definitely of Sark's career, no yeah. doubt about it. Probably their biggest win, probably since Vince Young beat USC in the Rose Bowl. Probably. I mean, I can't think of one bigger than that for Texas. No, and because that they haven't had a big win in yeah. years. So that know. was, you know, 20 years ago. It was a bad spot for Texas. Definite letdown spot. And yeah, they ended up winning by 21. So how was that halftime speech? Because they come back and put up 21 unanswered points in the second half. Yep. Well, I mean, I'm sure they just, you know, went in there. Well, they were actually down 13 to 10 at the end of the third quarter, and they put up 21 in the fourth quarter alone. So, and then one of those, I believe, was a pick six. So, wasn't yeah. one of them a pick six? Yeah, it's 10-10 at the end of the third. Yeah, it was 10. It was tied at the end of the third. Yeah. 
So who all has Wyoming played? Because they seem to have, um, they're doing something right somewhere. Well, they played Ohio. So they started the season against Texas Tech. They got them, beat them 35 to 33. That was was Texas Tech's a tough team. And they're a good team this year. That was a close game. And then they rolled Portland State 31 to 17. But that Portland State is the one that Oregon beat, whatever it was, 82 to 10 or 7 or whatever it was. So Who they got this week coming up? App State. App State. Now, App State's a good team. That that might end up being a good game. I'm I'm curious. Um, yeah, I see agree. How that one works out. App State Wyoming should be a good one. We'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on a Wyoming. Uh, another uh, another big game with a top team that struggled. How about uh, Florida State Boston College? Yeah, hurricane game. Right, there was no weather really. Um, I heard the flu was going through the locker room. I already knew that three offensive starters were not going to play for Florida State when they got up there. The line got bet down. Down, down, but they find a way. Yeah, they uh, they blow a 21-point lead, um, but they do come up and they win at the end, 31-29 on a Boston College turnover. That was um, the uh, bandana game. The famous red, red, red bandana. bandana game. Yep. So Boston College set a team record for penalties. Um, yeah, I saw that. That, uh, that game and some self-inflicted wounds. They almost could have upset Florida State. But if you'll go back and look at our ACC preview, that was one that I highlighted in, in – tried to warn everybody about when they go to Chestnut Hill, Florida State, they're famous for laying an egg. And that didn't change this time. Yeah, you know, we got just, uh, Duke Northwestern. Duke continues to roll. I was high on Duke. You were. You were the only one. <laughs> I was. And I still am. The they're 22-point favorites this week. I'm still uh, I'm still high on UCF. Those guys uh, had, a, had a pretty good win this week. They're and without their quarterback, though. John Reese Plumley is out for at least three to four weeks with a leg in, injury. So I, that was going to be one of my picks. I was going to take Central Florida plus seven against Kansas State, but I believe I'm going to have to lay off. I'll tell you what's turned into a big game this week. Another September 23rd must-see TV game. That I don't think that we we expected this to be a big game when we first looked at the schedule. Is this Iowa team legit? Oh, man. Dude, listen. They've always played great defense, but have they finally found a way to score points? I'm not. I just – I don't think so. Have they scored more than 24? Well, they beat Western Michigan 41-10. to 10 Is that okay? This weekend. they they Utah State 24-14, Iowa State 20-13. But with that defense they got, they don't have to score that much. No, are, they are they Are they going to be able to contain Penn State? So, little nugget on this game. I was 34-16-1 against the spread in games with a total of 42 or less. And the Hawkeyes are 3-1 ATS as road underdogs from 14.5 to 21 points. So this meets that criteria because Penn State's 14.5 points. 14.5. And the total's whatever. 41.5, yeah, I think, so, somewhere in there. So you would think this is going to be a whiteout in Penn State. That matters some to the spread. Not a whole lot, but it does matter. I don't know, ask me why, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> So it got somebody's listen, attention. Look, like you said, their defense. But how long can that defense hold up against that Penn State offense, who is going to pound and pound and pound? And then they set them up, and they'll knock them down because Aller can get it out there. So I just feel like Penn State always finds a way to lose a game. And this might be the one. Now, if they were on the road, if they were at Iowa, if they were at Iowa. You know, fourteen and a half. Eh. I mean, I think Penn State rolls. I don't. I don't think they're going to cover. I, yeah. I. I if I had to take it, I'd take the 14 and a half, man. I just, God, mighty Iowa. Mm. It's hard. It's hard to bet on them. Because they might not score 14 points. You just, hell, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Can they put up nine, though? Because then, because I think they're going to hold Penn State to 30. 
Penn State turned the ball over a couple of times. They can't. They're good, getting some turnovers. You know, now. they hold Penn State to to twenty eight, thirty, twenty seven, somewhere in there. It'll be an interesting game. So, Iowa needs that game. So they need it. They need to show out. All right. The next big game this week is Ohio State versus the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Three and zero, four and zero, number six and number nine, top ten matchup. Sam Hartman's looking good. A thousand sixty one yards, thirteen TDs. Who you boys got in this one? What you thinking? Buckeyes are 16 and 1 straight up and 10 and 7 against the spread as road favorites under Ryan Day. Their defense is a lot better than I think we're giving them credit for. Notre Dame, Sam Hartman. He's playing some football. He's good. I wish we would have got him. Yeah. I'm going to save my pick for the end of the yep. show. Yeah. I'll get back to that. One thing I do want to mention is my alma mater, Georgia Southern. And I know oh. it looks like they got hit with a baseball bat, losing a game 35 to 14. But let's break this game down. My Georgia Southern Eagles against Wisconsin went up there and was they were tied 7-7 seven to seven at halftime. And that's after the quarterback threw three interceptions. Then they go out in the third quarter and have more turnovers. They end up with six turnovers for the game, two more interceptions and a fumble. Wisconsin turns it on and puts a few points on the board. But those turnovers came when Georgia Southern was driving. So shout out to Georgia Southern for rolling into Wisconsin and uh, hanging in there for a half, and you know, gosh, who knows what could have happened. The difference were the first couple of turnovers, Wisconsin didn't capitalize on them, and then the last ones, they the defense gave Later up the in the points. game, yeah. yeah. Later in the game, they capitalized on the turnovers, and that crushes. And, they, and, and I believe two of those turnovers happened on pretty good drives where Georgia Southern was marching down the field. So shout out to those boys. They, they gave it a run. Uh, we like to see our Sunbelt teams upset, uh, upset some of the big schools. Yeah, not to take anything away from Georgia Southern because, you know, they had to go up there and play. But I really think, me especially, overrated Wisconsin. I don't think they're that good. You know, they went out there to Washington State and just got crushed. Played this Georgia Southern team. Should have probably, should have, would have, could have. No way they should have won by 21 points, that's for sure. You know, you look at their rushing total, 207 yards on the ground, 244 yards passing against that Georgia Southern defense, who is getting better. The yeah. defense is definitely better than it was last year and the year before. Georgia Southern was moving the ball on them pretty steadily that, that's kind of, every yeah, time. That's the thing. So when, when Wisconsin has to go play the, the Penn States or the Ohio States or the Michigans, what's going to happen? Thumped. Yeah, what's going to happen? So yep. So while we're talking about the Sun Belt, did anybody see South Alabama? Oh, yeah, ass-whooping. Put an ass-whooping on Oklahoma State. Yeah. Soon to be friend of the show, Mike Gundy was <laughs> might not had be. his own had his son quarterback in Gunder. Oh, yeah. So they're playing musical quarterbacks over there. Yeah, and they were rotating three at one yeah. time. Yeah, so I don't think you can ever get in a rhythm. I hate that that mentality. I hate that uh, game plan design. I think you got to pick something. I mean, you may have to change for a half or after a quarter or something, but I think you got to pick somebody and roll with them. Let them get into a rhythm. If if you got more than one quarterback, well, they say you don't have any at all or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and he is a quarterback. You know, Gundy was a quarterback. So, I, but still, it goes back to why did Spencer Sanders leave to go to Ole Miss? There's got to be. Why something. did he go to sit on the bench? I don't I, know. I, I mean, Who no, knows? you know, no doubt he would definitely be starting. Right? I mean, my God, what else you got? Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma rolls again, sixty-six to seven. Are they for real place. this year? We'll see. They to be a, determined. To be determined. I don't know what they're going to do when they play somebody with a defense. So who they got this week? Cincinnati? Yeah. Yeah, Cincinnati. You know, uh, 
tough game there. I mean, it'll it'll be better competition than they've had against these other uh, all-girls schools they've been playing. All right, so let's move on to week four. This is September 23rd. Septony. Septony 23rd. Must see TV. Games of the week in the Pac-12. Colorado goes to Eugene to face Bo Nix and the Ducks. I don't know if I'd call it a game of the week. For the Pac-12. I mean, it sounds like yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah. be the game of the week because of all the hype with Colorado. I mean, for the Pac-12, it is. But I think at uh, halftime, when Oregon's up 28-7, to 7, yeah, that uh, the writing's going to be on the wall. The Dion train is stopping this week. Yep, agreed. I've had a good run. I've got my three wins under my belt. Got to uh, get two more, but uh, they are about to get demolished, I feel like, this week. I think yeah, Utah-UCLA game's going to have more... Um, I think I think because I think Oregon's going to roll. I think you see Utah and UCLA, especially if Cam Rising's not coming back or not playing. Then now now we've got a whole other Utah team to consider. So that's going to be an interesting game to me. You know what's interesting about the Colorado game is with them losing Travis Hunter. It was awesome that he played both sides of the ball, but they just lost a weapon on both sides of the ball. Right, a big weapon, the best defensive weapon for sure that they have, for sure. I yeah. think it's going to have a pretty big impact on top three offensive. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, that's why you don't put your best cornerback, maybe one of the best cornerbacks in football. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> on, why you, on offense and let him get hit. That's probably why you shouldn't be playing 115 <laughs> downs a game. Because that safety, that big safety from Colorado State, put it on him and then turned and looked over the sideline and slowly walked back to his place. We're going to see how deep they are. Well, we'll they see. asked. Uh, they asked Coach Prime after the game who he thought the best coach was in college football, and you know what his reply was? Get me a mirror so I can look in it. <laughs> Does what, that would surprise you? Expect you? Was he wearing else? his hat and his sunglasses? And then he did refer to Nick Saban, but he didn't say Saban was the best. He said he was the best. So, Well, he does have a ton of respect for Saban. He, uh, did you oh. ever see that press conference where he said, they're not calling Nick Saban Nick, they're calling him Coach Saban. Yeah. I want to be called totally. Coach Sanders. And he does all the athletic commercials with him and the Ducks. So, yeah, true. Know, now yep. he's got a buffalo rolling in there, too. Hey, yep. He's yep. just he, – he Deion's an easy target. He's easy. I mean, I'm a Deion Sanders fan. I grew up in the Deion yeah. Sanders era. I, I, you know, as a, as a Falcon fan. Okay, so, so I'm a Deion Sanders fan. Um, but he just makes himself such an easy target with some of the bullshit he does. I mean, yeah, you know, he's flashy, you, but and he talks a lot of smack. But hell, he's backing it up so far. So, mm. well, you know what you get. I mean, yeah. you know, he is what he is, and and that's fine. I like Dion too. Put up or shut up, and right now he's putting up. But, All right, who? What else you like out west this week? Oregon State, Washington State, uh, uh, Oregon yes, State. We, yep, that's going to be a good game right there. Uh, Seven o'clock. Oogalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagalagal
Interesting call there. Yeah. Well, wasn't it the uh, Pac-12 commissioner that didn't even know the uh, TV schedule or exactly. the TV rights about no a week idea. before the game, or before no kickoff? So that about wraps up the Pac-12. We'll see what, what Prime does and, um, you know, good bow. Well, I'm going to go ahead and make the call now. My prediction for the Pac-12 as far as Oregon State goes is that at some point it's going to become very obvious that uh, Oregon State is overrated and ukulele is a pretender. Yeah, and they can't. They won't blame it on Dabo no more, no. and Brendan Street and Tony Elliott and all mm-hmm. them. Just, they won't blame it on them anymore. So, so I, I look for Washington State. Honestly, the way they've been on a roll, I look for Washington State to pull the upset there. Listen, two and a half again, or three, whatever it is now. <sighs> mm-hmm. Should be should be a good game. Let's move on to the ACC guys. The hot ACC and what was gonna be the game of the week. Florida State rolling up to Death Valley at 12 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. I don't know if it's the game of the week anymore. You know, Florida State is now favored two and a half over Clemson. When it came out Sunday morning at Circa, it come out as a pick. DraftKings actually had Clemson favored by two. Flipped all the way around now. Circa took all the money. And for you for you guys that don't know, Circa is like the biggest sports book. Like, that's where all the sharp guys go. That's where all they bet all the opening lines on Sunday morning when they come out. So they opened it up as a pick. Florida State just got money, 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 money. Now it's two and a half. And I don't see how Clemson can score with them. So I don't see any dynamic weapons, any explosiveness on the Clemson offense. Yeah, you can run the ball with Shipley and Mofa, and, but Klubnik, he doesn't throw the ball down the field. They don't have any elite receivers. You know, all those guys are in the NFL. Ross, Hopkins, just Mike Williams, you just keep naming them. They're all in the NFL now. There's no Trevor Lawrence. There's no Deshaun. And now you got Jordan Travis, Johnny Wilson on the outside, Kenny Coleman on the outside for Florida State. They got two or three running backs. I don't know how Clemson is going to slow these guys down. And Clemson still has Dabo. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> three, three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean. Three passing yards, not even running. Right. Yeah, I mean, this looks like another whoop-pass game to me. I can't believe Florida State's only favored by two. It's a big surprise for me, I think. Florida State's going to go in there and absolutely demolish them as well. But I also thought Tennessee would do that to Florida. So there's a reason why they play the games, I guess. Uh, I think Florida State catches a huge break, too, getting this game at 12 o'clock instead of 8 o'clock. I think that's a, a, a big break for Florida State. Those night games in Clemson? Yeah. Death Valley? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that one. But uh, Jordan Travis could come out of here as the Heisman favorite, though. Yep. If he puts it on Clemson and, and plays like he did against LSU – Yeah. Uh, you know, he left the LSU game, had a big week, and then they went up to Boston College. Um, we, me and you talked about that. It's hard. They, For some reason, Florida State has always had a hard time going to Boston College to play, even though they're a far better team. So what would have happened if that game was in Tallahassee? Oh. You know? Yeah. So uh, coming off that game, coming into Clemson, they're going to be hyped for this game. It's probably hard to get hyped. For Florida State uh, to going to Boston College, knowing that Boston College is not very good, knowing they're looking ahead to that Clemson exactly, game, exactly that look ahead, yep. you know. But at the same time, when you're trying to do the eye test with them, how do you as a as a better look past the Boston College game to just focus on the fact that yes, yeah, Florida State after watching Duke and Clemson, Florida State and LSU, you're paying attention to those games. How do you fo- how do you how do you get back to the fact that? Yes, Florida State really should beat them by two touchdowns or yes, three. I don't totally discount that Boston College game, but, you know, maybe downgrade them a point, half a point in the power rankings. But, you know, again, 
it's hard for them to go up there for, for whatever reason it is. It's it's hard for them to play up there. They played early. They played, you know, the field was just absolutely soaking wet from the tropical storm league, whatever it was, that went up through there. And they found a way to battle back, and, and Jordan Travis had two touchdowns, and, yeah, he got nicked up a little bit. Don't really – I mean, as far as I know, he's okay. You know, I hadn't heard any bad things coming out of their camp. So I, I think he'll be uh, refocused. I think their defense – the way they play defense against LSU – there's no telling what they're going to do to Clemson. The defense for Florida State, I think, is going to be the key to this game. Cade Klubnick has a 38.2% completion percentage God. under pressure. That's terrible. And if Florida State can stay on him, then I think it's over. And they will. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be another rainy game, so pound the rock. Well, you, I, re- I really thought that Cade Klubnick was going to come out and have a good year this year. I really did. I watched him play a little bit, and I know he had some – he didn't have the greatest stats at wrapping up the year last year, but he seemed to be controlling the game a little bit, and I thought that he was going to learn from that. And he is I, he is just absolutely not a good quarterback. Well, when Garrett Riley come over from TCU, that was supposed to open that whole offense up. That was the whole idea, to do what TCU did. Spread it like, out. Spread it out and throw it. Throw downfield. And – I never. I thought Kay Klubnick could throw downfield, but apparently I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So you know what they did against Duke was absolutely just. I mean, there's that was just unexcusable, unexcusable. Speaking of Duke, they're about to play UConn and be four and zero. When's the last are. time that the Duke Blue Devils were four and zero and it wasn't basketball season? Yeah, March Madness. Jesus, good for Duke, man. Yeah. I'm I'm liking that quarterback, man. Riley Leonard is a stud. I am loving Riley Leonard. I like was his, he on uh, the Heisman watch? Probably not. No, I like his he mojo. <laughs> he's only thrown for 530 yards this year in one TD, but they're getting it done on the ground. He's getting it he's done, getting on, the it done on the ground. Yeah. yeah, true. You know, he's he's running his ass off. So I, I look I look at uh, I look for Duke to keep rolling just because of the excitement of some of these underdog teams coming out of nowhere, and I and I like seeing these players that. Where maybe two and three star recruits show up somewhere and and turn themselves into legitimate real time yeah. players that are being talked yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, Riley Linder's going to play on Sunday. Yeah, he's getting drafted. I mean, if Justin Fields can play on Sunday, Daniel anybody Jones can play on Sunday. If Daniel Jones can be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants, Riley Linder can. He, he's playing somewhere. Yep, he's playing somewhere. Which Daniel Jones is from Duke too, and they're, you know they're very similar. I mean, they really are. But Riley Linder's probably. Probably a little more athletic and definitely can run a little bit better. But Jones ran a lot when he was at Duke too. So did he? Yeah. But then let's hey look Miami these the U are they back the U God Almighty it's like saying Texas is back you know like the, the you want to get on board with the with the the teams making a comeback and just for the the love of the game and and the the fun and the feel of these teams coming out but they they just disappoint each and every year. So yeah. so look, Miami, Miami started. They started off against Miami, Ohio. They beat them thirty-eight to three. Then they drummed Texas A&M forty-eight to thirty-three, and it really wasn't even that close. And of course, they caught Bethune Cookman last week forty-eight to seven. So they're putting up the points. They got to go to Temple this week. Can't have a letdown here. You got to be ready to go. Temple's got Temple's playing pretty good football right now. They're I think Miami's 24, 25 point favorites. Don't know that I'd lay that on the road. I just even though I feel like Van Dyke has got the weapons now and they got the they got the offensive line to protect him, that's still maybe a little tricky spot. It's not a look ahead. I mean, they do get Georgia Tech the next week, and you know they're off to the ACC play. They got Tech, North Carolina, Clemson, Clemson so Virginia, 
NC State, Florida State, Louisville, and Boston College. So after this Temple game, well, Virginia is a dumpster fire. Yeah, sure, but, but their but next all, three games all are conference. legit. Yeah, after yeah. Temple, it's all it's all ACC conference, and you know they got that on November 11th, Florida State. They got that one circled. Yeah, they got to go to Tallahassee. Well, they always struggle with Georgia Tech. That's true. They Even when they're playing well, they always struggle. With, you can't overlook. The, and I don't know if it's because they overlook them or what, but they always seem to, to struggle with Tech. And then uh, North Carolina stays rolled. Drake May stays on fire. He looked good this past week against Minnesota. That's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them to come home with that. And then North Carolina, they'll they get uh, Pittsburgh Saturday night at eight o'clock, and Pittsburgh is not good. No, they're the, not good at all. Pittsburgh comes out this year. They're one and two. Phil Jerkovic, the transfer who came with his offensive coordinator, right? Yeah, exactly. From Boston College. They, uh, I mean, he's just turned out to be such a turd. There was a lot of high hopes for Pittsburgh. They thought that he was going to come in with his offensive coordinator and turn into something. It's just not happening. The mojo. They ain't got the mojo. No. No. So that's about it in the ACC. Looking at the Big 12 slate. Oklahoma against Cincinnati. They're traveling Cincinnati. Oklahoma has absolutely been lighting everybody up. Everybody they play, they light up. They've not played anybody with a defense, though. They're going to get a little taste here on the road. They're laying 13 and a half, the total 60 and a half. Dylan Gabriel is having a great, great year for Oklahoma. Can't take anything away from the kid. He's been lights out. 11 TDs, one pick. Yep. 11 TDs, one pick, one pick, 900 yards. I look for him to keep it going against the Cincinnati team. Little, little leery, though. Back to back road games. I'm not very comfortable. Will just land two touchdowns on the road like that. Um, Cincinnati's much improved, way better than anybody thought they were going to be. Way better. You know, it could be a little tricky spot for Oklahoma. If they get down early, it'll be interesting to see what what they can do because they definitely got got the offense. They got the, got it humming now. Vanderbilt has got his defense playing much better than they did last year. Yeah, they've got Cincinnati and then Iowa State to get tuned up because October 7th they played Texas. What do you think about an undefeated BYU going to Kansas? Yeah. Kansas struggled with Nevada last week. Kansas so. laid a turd last week. And BYU beat Arkansas. So. And Kansas is favored by nine and a half. Yeah, which is really weird. I'm not sure about that one. I don't know why they would be favored unless BYU got beat up so bad. I don't know about some injuries be missing, or something. Yeah, they're missing some guys this week. But, you know, BYU's coming off that. It, it was a road game. Definitely physical for them, no doubt about it. Yep. Um, but nine and a half seems like an awful lot for a Kansas defense that still isn't good. I mean, they just let Nevada put 27 on them. Yep. I mean, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to watch that one. I'm not going to get involved in that unless we, we look in there early. Maybe Kansas will pop them early and you can get a live game line of about 12, 13 or something like that. And it might be worth a look then. Yeah, there's something Vegas knows that we don't on that one. SMU's traveling to TCU. We'll see how that goes. I might have a little something for y'all on that a little bit later. Uh, I am kind of interested, though, in this Texas Tech-West Virginia game. So West Virginia's coming off of, you know, that was a big win. Neil Brown, that was a save-your-job win because that was the backyard brawl and they got Pittsburgh and we just told y'all what we think about Pittsburgh. But for West Virginia, that was a big win. Texas Tech, listen, devastating loss against Oregon two weeks ago. Devastating. Dude throws the pick six with 28 seconds left, and that just – I mean, that was terrible. Tyler Shuck did that for Texas Tech. The defense has played a lot better. Look, it's hard. You, you hold Oregon to 35 points, you've done a hell of a job. You really have. But Tyler Shuck, 743 yards, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. That's the problem. Coming off a West Virginia team who now is, I'm not going to say they're going to be sky high and, and just, you know, having a letdown from beating Pittsburgh. 
because Neil Brown is coaching for his career. There's no, no, no doubt about it. It's going to be interesting to see Texas Tech go up there and what, how they can manage that game because you cannot let West Virginia just – they're going to pound you, pound you, pound you, pound you, pound you. You're not going to have a lot of possessions in that game. You have to capitalize. Texas Tech cannot afford to turn the ball over. It's supposed to be raining too. Yep, there you go again. And West Virginia is all about the ground game. So that will be an interesting game. And then let's talk about our soon-to-be friend of the show – Mike Gundy <laughs> and his Oklahoma State Cowboys. My, oh, my. Going to play the Cyclones at Iowa State. Tricky, tricky game here, guys. Tricky game. <laughs> Iowa State's favored by three and a half. Yeah, and the total's 36. Ooh. We know they, they can't kick field goals. So. I might have a little something for y'all on that one here All right. when we get to the end of the show. Sam Houston and Houston, I don't know. Sam Houston does have a great defense, so that, that'll be interesting. And Houston is just – they're a mess. Dana Holgerson is – I don't know what the hell he's been doing. Baylor's on a downhill slide. Texas is going to roll. Baylor's going to be without their quarterback again. Yeah. There's – I just – you know, 14, 14 and a half, whatever it was. That's about what my numbers came to anyway. Again, though, guys, my numbers, I'm really conservative because especially this year, it's just so, so different than the years past. Yeah. What are you getting six possessions a half? That's about it. Uh, you know, like Kirby said, you, I mean, you get six more this half, and you got you got to capitalize on them. Yep. But I think Texas rolls Baylor. I think taking fifteen. I think uh, Texas by fifteen is still a safe bet with their quarterback out. They're not going to be able to score. I think you're going to have a thirty-five to ten game or something. Yeah, and the hits just keep on coming for Baylor. They yeah. every week it's something else, something else, something yeah. else. So. You know, Quinn Ewers, though, he really needs to have a big game. He didn't play really worth a – I mean, he played okay in the second half against Wyoming, but come on, man. You know, you you look like the, the man two weeks ago in Tuscaloosa. Well, I think that they're another team that just gets up for whoever they're playing. You know, I don't think they're going to get up for uh, some of these smaller teams. And Baylor is a is a in-state – Right. You know, but they, somewhat rival. This is a Big 12 conference game that they cannot afford yeah. – to get an L in that loss. No, I think cost. Texas will come into this thing yeah. hyped and ready to roll. And then uh, the fighting Gus Malzahns, they're going to take their broke-ass team down there to Kansas State without <laughs> their quarterback, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, Tony likes UCF here. Well, I mean, I, I do, but they've been playing really well. Yep. You know, but I mean, their quarterback goes out. He's going to be out for a couple weeks for a leg injury. Clean had 349 passing yards and two touchdowns against Villanova's defense. So maybe there's a chance. We'll see that they're getting seven. I was gonna, I was gonna be all over it, but I can't do it. I just can't do it. Can't do it. Now they are totally. We we've, we've discussed Central Florida several times on the show. Juniors and seniors all over the place. So there's plenty of experience there. Kansas State's gonna be looking to bounce back. I would think. I would think you would get a focused, focused Kansas State team here. Who? What happened to that defense last week against Missouri? I don't know. I don't know what happened. I think Kansas State covers that game. Big Ten, guys. Big Ten. Wisconsin and Purdue are going to play a Friday night game. Wisconsin's laying six and a half and 54 and a half. I think Purdue's going to win that game. I think they're going to – well, it's minus six. So I think they're going to beat them by a touchdown. So. Damn, So you think, you think Purdue is going to beat Wisconsin by a touchdown? I do. I'm calling it. Boiler okay. up. Boiler up. Well, I mean, Hudson Card, he's he's played okay. The Texas transfer, 825 yards, three touchdowns. He does have a pick. Now, you know, some of the games they played, they played a great Fresno State team. Um, that was a great game. Virginia Tech, they got a win there. 
but Syracuse put it on them pretty good. So interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I mean, Burks, the receiver, is going off. He's averaging 25 yards a catch, nine receptions, 221 yards, three TDs. So they got a little bit of a weapon there in uh, Burks for Carr to throw to. Yeah, this Rutgers and Michigan is 12 o'clock game. Michigan is three straight unders, guys. They played three straight unders. Mm. You know, here the thing is they're Controlling laying the all these points, right? But they're still they're scoring forty and not giving up any. But they're not covering. Yeah. They're not covering. And, and what happens is they get the ball, they of course run all the time off the clock, yeah. whatever, you know. So again, when you're laying these big spreads, you gotta think about how many times are you gonna possess the ball and how much time are you gonna use and in this case is Harbaugh back? No, he's not back for this one. He's back for the next one, I think. I thought he was sitting out three. This is number maybe, four. Maybe, maybe he is. Yeah, I think he's this. back. So that's going to be interesting there. You know, 24 point to a, a pretty good Rutgers is a lot better than, than what everybody thought they were going to be. They're experienced too. But when you look at that game, 24 point favorites, total 45 and a half. That's what I'm talking about right there. You got that low total. And when you get totals like that, most of the time, I like to take the underdog because they're telling you, hey, it's not going to be, you know, 55 to 10. You know, this game's going to be played 30 to 14, something, you know, somewhere in that range, something like that. Or Michigan might beat them 28 to 7. I don't know. Hey, listen, the Rutgers is scoring. Yeah. I can. mean, they've beaten, they didn't just, they're not 3 and 0 with laydowns. They beat Northwestern 24 27. They beat Temple 36 to 7. And they beat Virginia Tech 35 to 16. So they're going places and they're not just winning football games. They're beating. Yeah. Greg Schiano knows how to coach. So they're getting it done. So, I, you know, 24 points is a lot with these this new run of clock. Yeah. So, yep. so Jim Harbaugh will be back this week. Yeah. Okay. I see Rutgers putting up uh, 14 to 17. So you got to take that and add your 24 and see if you think if you think you're going to cover. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think so. Yeah, and I don't know what Harbaugh he might have a heart on this week. So you know, I don't know. He might decide to run it up, but I doubt it. One note, interesting game here, completely off the radar to most people. FAU travels to Illinois. Illinois. Has not been good this year at all. They've really been underwhelming, to say the least. <laughs> but Florida Atlantic and Tom Herman, they've lost their quarterback for the year. So this could be a get-right game for Illinois. It, it really could be because Florida Atlantic, is they've been struggling anyway. Now they don't have a quarterback. <clears throat> Illinois doesn't have a quarterback either. Altmaier is a 571, three TDs, seven interceptions. So 14-and-a-half favorite. 14 and a half, 49 and a half. If I had to, I, I would lay it, though. I would lay it. This is an FAU team that is definitely ground zero rebuild now, especially without a quarterback. Casey Thompson went from Texas to Kansas State to FAU. This is like his seventh year. And now Herman's obviously putting in the kid that he really didn't want to have to. So that, that could be troublesome there. Well, let's go on down the board. Maryland, little Tua takes his talents to each Lansing. To face a Michigan State team that is really not good at all. And they just fired the head coach today? Yeah, I heard they were getting ready to. Is that what they decided to do? Yeah, Official. they tried to fire him with calls. Yeah. Officially. So they don't have to pay his $90 million buyout. So what does that, Jeff, what does that do to the line? It, honestly, it, it doesn't affect this one at all because they've been, everybody knew they weren't going to be good. So you're not, you know, if anything, 
if anything, after the ass whooping they took last week to Washington, they get downgraded again. Michigan State doesn't have a defense. They definitely don't have any good DBs whatsoever. They can be thrown all over. No doubt about it. When we previewed the ACC, we did talk about Maryland and, and what we thought their offense was going to be, and it's, it's coming. It's coming around. They're picking up where they left off last year. Tua can sling it. They got the weapons. Their defense is not terrible. Like I said, when Virginia jumped out there, they caught them back in rain, and once they once they got the rains on them, they, they couldn't do nothing. Virginia didn't do nothing in the second half. I mean, it was just all Maryland all the time. So I look for a little Tua to go out there and have a big game, big game. All right, Iowa-Penn State. What's going to happen? It is the whiteout. So this is a Penn State team. We already know Coach Franklin's not afraid to run it up when he can. The question is, in this game, is is he going to be able to do it? Iowa, they play, they play great defense all year long. Cade McNamara, transfer out of Michigan, he's played great. However, they lost their big tight end. Got hurt last week. That's a huge weapon for McNamara. So when you get limited options, you're going to have to try to run the ball, control the clock, run the ball, control the clock. Well, Penn State can do that too. You look at that total, 40 and a half. Guys, this is college football, 40 and a half on this total. That's not a lot. No, it's not a lot. Not a lot at all. Um, especially with this Penn State team that's, that's here lately, they've been scoring. They're averaging 467.3 yards a game. Or ranked 30th in the NCAA. I think we mentioned it earlier. The stat on on Iowa as a road dog, they're three and one and sixteen and three or something when they're a road dog of fourteen and a half to twenty one and a half. So I would be probably looking to back Iowa, but I just don't know if I can trust them. I just don't know if they can score fourteen points. I don't know. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. All right, we'll discuss that one in a minute. That's right. Ohio State, the big game of the week. Two top uh, ten teams. Number six, Ohio State, going to number nine, Notre Dame. Hartman, Hartman's <laughs> looking sharp, 1,061 yards, 13 TDs, no interceptions. Well, I, I think Ohio State finally settled on their quarterback, Kyle McCord. We'll see. Still got Devin Brown over there. Their defense has been playing great all year. Can they keep Hartman in check? That's going to be the question. I believe they got the, uh, you know, their backfield is kind of being, it was questionable last year, questionable this year. Maybe they've improved a little bit. Notre Dame is definitely a physical team. Can they out-physical Ohio State? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about that. Yeah, you know, I was looking at the stats, and the big one that kind of jumped out at me was the third down efficiency percentage. So um, Ohio State's definitely struggling to convert on third downs, and I think that's going to come back and get them this week. Yeah, so, you know, this game, you look at it, the teams that they've played, right? You know, Notre Dame played a um, a very underwhelming Navy team, right? Who Navy's kind of bounced back the last couple of weeks, played a little bit better than they did that opening game. Then they played Tennessee, Martin, or whoever it was, and blew them out of the water. Then they had to go to, what was it, uh, NC State, two weeks ago and play in that where the, the game got delayed for however, six hours or something like that. Yeah, electrical storm. Yeah. yeah. So, and then you look at who Ohio State's played, and, I mean, they really haven't played anybody either. So, it's going to be interesting to see, and I'll have a little my little thoughts on this at the end of the segment. All right. Moving into the best conference in the entire world, the Southeastern Conference. Of course, not this year. 
But Struggle bus. Let's start with uh, your teams, Jeff. Auburn, your favorite, and Texas A&M, who you were high on. I don't know what to make of Auburn other than – I mean, I watched that game against Sanford last week, and um, I just – yeah, Peyton Thorne, yeah, he looked good again. I guess he looked good, whatever. They, they say, oh, yeah, well, he proved he can play. I, I don't know about that. And Robbie Ashford's another athlete they're trying to make be a quarterback. Our two running backs – I don't really know. Our defense is what scares me, though. The defense, we're not there. Our DBs are great. Safeties, corners, they're they're great. Linebackers, defensive line, not so much. Texas A&M, Bobby Petrino, I know he's going to dial up some crazy stuff, and I don't know what Hugh Freeze and Ron Roberts can do about it. You know, you look, Texas A&M's laying seven. Somebody told me earlier today, somebody sent me a text and said they saw one book had Texas A&M laying nine. That's not good. That's not good because if Auburn gets down, I don't know that we can catch back up. We struggled with a Cal team who I think Cal's maybe okay, but, you know, they're definitely bottom of the Pac-12, right? I mean, them and Stanford, Arizona State. So I, I have some major, major worries about what might happen in college station so how is auburn's pass coverage yeah i i feel okay about our corners and safeties i feel okay about the press i even think they can play man to man but now we haven't played any athletes of the caliber of these receivers that texas a&m have yeah it'll be interesting to watch texas a&m's averaging 337 yards in the air uh they're ranked 12th in the ncaa's yeah but we knew we had to when we played UMass to start the season. We knew it was going to be very vanilla, whatever. Run the ball, run the ball. Hugh Freeze wasn't going to show anything. Period. Then when we had to go out there to Cal at ten thirty Saturday night two weeks ago, that was definitely going to be a hey, control this clock. Do not give away possessions. Run the ball, run the ball, and that's what they did. Now Peyton Thorne made a great pass and get him a touchdown out of, you know on one possession, but. Hugh Freeze hadn't he hadn't had to open anything up. Of course, he didn't have to have, he didn't have to show anything last week against Sanford. But he's gonna have to pull all the tricks out in College Station Saturday afternoon. And I don't know that seven or seven and a half is enough because again, if we get down, I don't know that we can catch up. They're favored by seven and a half because they have a great stadium and it's a tough place to play. But I think Auburn's going to march in there. I think they're going to be physical. I think they're going to hit them right in the face. And I think that Auburn not only covers, but I'm gonna, I think they're going to come away with a with a with a victory, like maybe a, a small one, you know, two three points on a field goal toward the end. But I think Auburn comes out of there undefeated. A and M stays in the hot, uh, Jimbo stays in the hot seat. Yeah, I gotta agree. I think the home field advantage for Texas A and M is. Probably the only thing they got going for them under their, other than their passing attacks. So uh, I do. I think it's going to be a good game. Well, when you look at uh, line putting lines on these games, one of the references I use there's home field advantage for certain teams, right? In Texas A and M, they get three points for home field advantage. Where I know back in the day, everybody thought, oh well, if you're playing at home, it's automatic three points. It's, that's not how they figure these lines anymore. There's only certain schools that have home field advantage. Texas A and M, though, they get a three point you know, advantage. So if you, if you was to, let's just say it was on a neutral, they'd be a four, four and a half, five point favorite over Auburn on a neutral. So we'll see what happens, man. You guys are are way more optimistic than I am. I'm worried about our defense though. I'm worried about our defensive line and I'm worried about the depth He, he brought in. We got a lot of transfers. They're not all playing like they should. So we'll see what happens. All right. Um, Kentucky Vanderbilt. Oh Lord. 
Yeah. Oh, Lord. So Kentucky's favored by 14. Um, I actually think they're going to cover. I think they're going to just whomp up on Vanderbilt. I, just, I think this will be another ugly Kentucky-type game to where Devin Leary goes out there, throws for 220 yards, a touchdown, and then the running back, the kid out of Vandy, Ray, I can't think of his name anyway, he, he's going to run the ball, run the ball at Vandy. And their defense is good enough to slow Vandy down. Vandy's been underwhelming all year, right? I mean, yes, they did put it on Hawaii pretty good to start the season. But Wake Forest hit them pretty good. Vandy's in a bad spot, man. Hey, shout out to A.J. Swan. Yep. I like A.J. Son, A.J. Swan is uh, little did I even realize this. But uh, let's go back to about uh, 2003, 2002, when A.J. Swan was just an itty-bitty kid running around. He might have even been in a car seat, quite honest with you. But his dad, Alan Swan, and I played many, many softball tournaments together and traveled around all summer playing softball tournaments for his dad's company, American Tree Bulldogs. I met those guys up in Woodstock, jumped on their little team on a Wednesday night league and talked them into playing some tournaments, and we went on to win quite a few and played well. So, Well, Vandy's coming off a, a terrible, terrible loss out there to UNLV last week. That was just a crazy game, the way it ended and everything. And Vandy... Listen, UNLV's not good, guys. But that just goes to show you what type of team that Vandy's playing with. You know, they go on the road to a far less superior team than they are, and they just can't hold on for the win. No, they have no defense. Zero. Zilch. They don't. They don't. And that's what I'm saying. Ray Davis, the running back at Kentucky, I mean, he's he's rushed for 235 yards this year. He's got three touchdowns. He's probably going to – Pad his stats a little bit Saturday. So Ole Miss, Alabama, we talked about this a little bit earlier. We know that Milrose getting the start. That's yep. been officially announced. Ole Miss's rushing attack is basically their quarterback right now. Their uh, their lead running back, he's not the one carrying the load. It's Dart has been the one carrying the load. Well, Junkins has been hurt. You know, he was, he was the stud. I mean, he, he can't play a, a whole game. I think he left last week hurt again. Jackson Dart is, you know, he's a dual threat anyway. I mean, the kid, the kid's good. He's real good. All right, listen, I think you're going to have a game of uh, some high-ranked teams here going uh, a battle of, no, you win. No, you win. No, I want you to have the ball and win. I think like, – I'm not touching this game. These teams are so unpredictable. And, and Ole Miss, just when you think they got it going on, they do something stupid. Alabama looked like dog shit last week. I'm not touching it. I, I got nothing on it. They're six and a half, seven point favorites. Alabama is at home, of course. I'm just not sure about this old Miss defense. Yeah, you know they they beat a two lane team with a backup quarterback that they shouldn't. Have, they were trailing in the fourth quarter in that game. Uh, then you know last week against Tech, yeah, they pulled away at the end, got a garbage touchdown at, at the end to, to make it look real nice. But that was a Tech team who we all know they have no depth whatsoever, and, and they gave up. You know, however many yards they did to Tech. I'm not overly sold on this, and, and I think it's going to be a very popular pick, which scares me even more. I think you're going to see a lot of people want that old Miss plus six and a half or plus seven. You know, they're thinking, oh, Lane's going to get the goat this time. And this is just one of those typical spots where Nick Saban does Nick Saban things. Yeah, Saban opinion. will have a solution for dart running. They'll have him spied the whole time. And mm. if, if Jutkins can't go, yep. or if he's banged up, then that's a problem. So how many of uh, Nick Saban's assistants have beat him? Is it still just Kirby? Two. 
Kirby and Jimbo was the first. Okay. Jimbo, Kirby, yep. and Steve. Oh, well, Sark just got yeah, him. Sark got him. Yeah, going into this season, it was two. Yep, you're right. Now, Kirby, Kirby hasn't lost any of his assistants. UTSA is going to travel up to old Rocky Top. Tennessee is <laughs> going to be looking for a little payback. Uh, they're catching the UTS team without their quarterback, Frank Harris. He's going to miss a, another game, and he's worth about six or seven points to the spread. Now, interesting, interesting tidbit about this Tennessee game. When this line opened, they were 15-point favorites. Immediately bet up. 17 and a half, 18. Now it's all the way up to 19. Saw so 20 in some spots. Total of 58 and a half. They're facing a UTS team that Army just rolled them. This, if there's ever been a get right game, quote unquote, and you know the Tennessee fans, they, they need something to cheer for. This might be the one. But now I definitely, like I said, when that line come out at 15, that's a whole lot different than 20. We'll see what happens in that game, but UTSA is undermanned, and they're coming to a hornet's nest up there in Rocky Top. Yeah, well, you figure Hypel is going to just try to do anything he can to get back in the conversation and just try to start blowing out teams. So, But they got to learn how to tackle. My God. And quick, <laughs> and quick committing uh, penalties, penalties, man. Yeah. How many penalties did they commit? Of course. I mean, I watched the game. It was a little, seemed a little bit uh, lenient or uh, favoring Florida in that game with some of the penalties yeah. that Tennessee got were a little suspect, but still, man, they got hosed. Uh, what did they get? 15 penalties or something? It was crazy. Seemed like every time they did something, they were getting penalized. Arkansas at LSU, 7 p.m. Mm, bad for Arkansas. Got to go down there and play at night. Mm. Mm. Coming off a loss to BYU. And an LSU team that, what, they put 80 against Grambling or something? Yeah, they're on a roll. Yeah, they're mm. on a roll. This, uh, hey, Daniels might come out as the Heisman favorite after this. There ain't no telling how many yards and touchdowns he's going to put up against the Arkansas team that let BYU score, what was it, 48? I think mm. BYU beat them 48 to 41 or something like that. Jaden Daniels took over the game versus Mississippi State, did everything in a uh, kitchen sink. And... I don't see what changes. Well, he's going to have to do something against other teams that are not Arkansas or Mississippi State for me to get on that right. that wagon. Because watching him against Florida State, he looked like doo-doo. He didn't look good at all. He did. He so, did. Yeah, he looked all right the first <clears throat> half. But, yeah, Florida State just opened it up in the second half and took control and never looked back. Then you got UAB, the Blazers, baby, coming <laughs> to Athens. Trent Dilfer's going to bring his... Three to three at the end of the first quarter. Oh, man. <laughs> this, yep. This is a game that, I mean, this has got ugliness wrote all over it. UAB is just wretched, man. They are not a good football team. Trent Dilfer is definitely... This is a bottom floor rebuild all the way around. Yeah, they got some athletes. I heard Kirby in his press conference, you know, praising them. Yeah, they got athletes. They got this. They got that. They beat NCAT A&T 35-6 to start the season. Then Southern beat them 49-35, and Louisiana beat them 41-21. to Louisiana's not good. That was a Louisiana team that beat all the hell and back, too. It's going to be a 45 to nothing game. Oh, see, I don't think, though. I don't think we're covering. 
We're giving them 41 and a half. Well, Georgia hasn't covered a game all year. No. This is going to be the one, boys. I mean, I think we win handily, obviously. I don't see any way we lose this game. But I wouldn't. I'm not betting them to cover. I'm 40, just saying. 40, 40, <laughs> 41 and a half is a lot of blows. I'm not picking them. Yeah, that's six touchdowns, man. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'd put my money on it, but I'm predicting a 45-zip route. Well, it might be seven touchdowns with our kicker. He might miss every uh, PAT. Jesus, and, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be another one of those practice games for Georgia. But, yeah, I look for Georgia just to, you know, steady on March, just like they've been doing. You know, they'll score another 40 points, and we'll see what happens at the end of the game. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if UAB doesn't score. Hell, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't cross midfield. Yep, and then uh, finishing up, Mississippi State at South Kakalaki. Mm. So South Carolina gave us hell for the first half of the uh, South Carolina-Georgia game. Um, Spencer Rattler looked like he knew what he was doing. And then the wheels came off. And This is a Mississippi State team that was built for the air raid, like we talked about in our SEC preview. They were built for the air raid with the Pirate. God rest his soul, he's gone. Now you got a coaching staff in there that's definitely not on this collegiate level. They This is a coaching staff that they're outcoached. Every game they play. LSU exposed them. I mean, they just they looked really bad yeah, in that I, game. I think Spencer Rattler's going to have a big game here. Yep. Now, again, we have to talk about the defense on South Carolina, who played great the first half of the Georgia game and then kind of didn't come back out of the locker room. But that's what we expected out of South Carolina. They did the same thing against North Carolina. First half, they stayed with them. Whether it's there's not enough depth over there or they just don't have the dudes or a combination of both of them. I'll tell you who is a dude though. Is that wide receiver legit? Oh yeah, Xavier Leggett. Yeah, he's, that guy. He's, he's a twenty-two receptions, three sixty-seven. He, he's yeah. yeah, he's a hoss. I think he gets at least uh, you know one hundred fifty yards, two touchdowns in this game. All right, let's jump into our picks from last week. Josh, you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. I was uh, one and one last week. I uh, took Georgia to not cover, and they did not cover. They have uh, yet to cover a game this year. So I got that one right, and then um, I took UT to absolutely drub Florida, and it happened just the opposite. Florida absolutely drubbed UT. Like we spoke earlier, UT could uh, not stop committing penalties, could not stop the run, could not stop ETN, and uh, Joe Milton looked like he wanted to get in a UFC fight versus playing football, so... One and one last week for me. Well, last week I was one and two. Puts me at nine and 13 on the year. Not the way I wanted to go. Uh, had Eastern Michigan laying nine and a half, and that didn't work. They won 19 to 17. I had UConn laying eight and a half. They got beat straight up by FIU, who is a surprise team of the year. Got to get the power ratings right on them. And then the blowout of the week was Oklahoma minus 27 and a half over Tulsa, and they beat them 66 to 17. So the blowouts are, are doing really good this year. The other picks are not, and I plan to change that starting this week. That's what I like to hear, Jeff. So I actually uh, turned it around a little bit and ended up two for three. So I had um, Boston College covering over FSU. Um, I had Penn State covering Illinois, and then I lost the um, Tennessee-Florida game. I thought Tennessee was going to show up a little bit better than what they did. I mean, I'm in a whopping three for nine for the season. So, All right, so we're going to jump into uh, this week's picks. Uh, you want me to lead off? Go ahead. All right, sure. Uh, so I've got three picks this week. I'm going to uh, take FSU over Clemson. I'm going to give up the two and a half. 
Uh, like we talked earlier, I think FSU is just going to come in there and dominate. Clemson hasn't shown us anything. Clubnick can't throw down the field. Uh, Jordan Travis looks unstoppable. They can score points on anyone. So I'm going to take FSU and give up the two and a half. Uh, I'm going to take BYU over Kansas. I'm going to have to research a little bit more in this game, but somehow Kansas is giving up nine and a half points and BYU beat Arkansas uh, last week, which I thought was a strong team and was going to be a halfway uh, decent contender in the SEC this year. But losing to BYU just uh, erased all of that. And then finally, uh, I'm sticking on the UGA dominates but does not cover train. I'm going to take UAB and the 41 and a half points and say that Georgia, once again, does not cover. So that's what I got this week, boys. Chris? I have a bunch of picks this week. Mm -mm. I've got... uh, Buckle your seatbelt. I got Iowa at plus 14 and a half and and the over. I I think they're going to put up some points. I think they're going to lose the game, but I think they're going to put up some points. I think they're going to keep it close, and I think it's going to go over 40. I got Notre Dame to cover and possibly play the money line. Mm. Maybe get the win. Uh, Rutgers at plus 24 against Michigan. I think that Rutgers is going to put up a good 14 to 17 points, and I don't think Michigan's going to score, you know, 50 points. So I got Oregon to win, and uh, but I got Colorado. I'm taking Colorado on the points. Mm, so Travis I think Hunter that, out. What's that? Even with Travis Hunter out. Yeah, but still 21 points, you know. And, and even if Shador – has looked good to me. And I think that he's still going to find a way to do his thing. Yeah. And if Shador goes out there and puts up 21 or 24 points, now you've got Oregon trying to score in the high 40s, mid-high 40s, to cover that spread on top of the fact that Colorado's going to put up some drives that are going to eat some time off the clock. And and Oregon's been putting up all those points this year, but they've been playing shitbag teams that are not getting first downs. And so they're – they're getting all those opportunities on offense. And they're they're Colorado is going to take some of those opportunities away by being able to maintain some drives and get some first downs. All right. Like it? I like it. Washington State plus three. Uh, and I think they're going to upset Oregon State. I think uh, the real ukulele will please stand up. We're going to see Washington State come out on top. Uh, USC minus 33 and a half over the dumpster fire that is Arizona State. I think USC is going to win that game 56 to three or seven or ten or something. And then uh, Texas, I think they're going to cover at minus 15. I'm taking Auburn in the points because I think we might get an Auburn win. I'm not going to go as far as to call the Auburn win again, like officially, but I think it's going to be close, and I'm going to take Auburn plus seven and a half. And then uh, US, uh, University of North Carolina, minus seven and a half over Pitt. Pitt's a, a, Pitt is just laying a turd every opportunity they get. North Carolina, Drake May is not – been fantastic but he's been playing well enough to win and i think they're going to do it i think they're going to do it by seven and a half over pit so those are mine for the week rock on i got nine this week i'm gonna start saturday at 12 o'clock on fs1 smu at tcu i'm gonna take smu plus six and a half smu is 14th in total defense they allow 160 yards pass and 103 yards on the ground and they average giving up 14 points a game Meanwhile, TCU's defense, 79th overall, they give up 304 yards in the air. SMU will throw and throw. And remember what Shador did? Yeah, they're about to get some too. Then I'm going to go Saturday, 3.30 on Fox. UCLA at Utah, 52.5. Utah minus 4.5. I'm going under. UCLA's played 
two out of three games this year to the under. Utah, three straight unders. Both teams in the top nine in total defense. Utah's defense, they allow 31 points. Cam Rising, we're not even sure if he's going to play. And the freshman, Dante Moore for UCLA, is going to this be his first big game in Utah. It's hard to play at Rice-Eccles, so good luck to him. I look for that to be a close game. That, you know, Utah's not going to get in any kind of crazy shootouts anyway, so they're going to control the clock. They're going to get turnovers. They're going to turn the freshman over. It's going to end up being a low-scoring game. Saturday, 4 o'clock on FS1. Oklahoma State and soon-to-be friend of the show, Mike Gundy. They're traveling <laughs> to Ames to play Iowa State. The line's 3, 36 and a half. I'm going under Oklahoma State. 20 points a game on the average. They played three straight unders. Iowa State, 16.6 games on the average. They played three straight unders. Oklahoma State's playing musical quarterbacks. Don't know what you're going to get. Oklahoma State's defense gives up 20 points. Iowa's gives up 13. So, I, look, I don't look for anything to change here. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. 36 and a half is a low total, but I think they got it there for a reason. Sounds like it's going to be a terrible game to watch. Uh, yeah, probably. It's probably going to be windy and all that other kind of crap that goes on up there. So I'm going under 36 and a half. Saturday at 730 on the SEC Network, Mississippi State travels to South Carolina. South Carolina's five and a half and 51. I'm just going to lay the points with South Carolina. I look for Spencer Rattler to have a huge day. Mississippi State, they can't get off the field, and when they get on the field with the ball, they can't score any points. Spencer Rattler, can, we, know he's, we know what he's capable of doing. Leggett's going to have a big game. Knox, knock that receiver that he showed out in the first half against the Georgia game, so it would be interesting to see what they, they get him involved now. I never even knew who the kid was. Offensive line isn't near as bad as I thought it was. No, obviously not. Then we're going to go Saturday, 7.30 on the Big Ten Network. Akron's traveling to Indiana. Indiana, 17 and a half and 45. Give me Akron in the points. Indiana is a team going through changes. They played okay this year. Akron is a team, they're on the, they're on the come up. They're a little bit down. 17 and a half points, that's a lot in a game like this. Give me Akron in the points. Saturday at 7.30 on NBC, Ohio State travels to Notre Dame. I'm going to lay the three and a half points. I'm going to take the Buckeyes and lay the three and a half. We'll see what happens. Saturday at 1030, CBS Sports Network. Kent State goes to Fresno State. Fresno State's 27 and a half and 51 and a half. Kent State and 27 and a half is going to be my play. This is a team that can score points. They're an all-around consistent team. Fresno State. Don't know what you're going to get out of them. They play Purdue really good. They play up and down. So I'll take those almost four touchdowns. I'll take them. Then we're going to go midnight Saturday night. New Mexico State travels to the island to play the Warriors. Hawaii's two and a half and 58 and a half. Hawaii minus two and a half. This is the classic Saturday night get right game. The bailout, right? <laughs> New Mexico State, hey. Listen, when you've lost all your money, this is it. This is your this get is right it. game. This is the, the Saturday night bailout. It's always has been Hawaii at home. Always play Hawaii at home. That's how it used to be back in the day. Now, right? But Hawaii, New Mexico State, they're just they're not that good. I mean, they just really aren't now. They're going Neither on vacation. <laughs> they're going on vacation down there. So, right. you know, I take Hawaii and lay the two and a half. Then my blowout of the week: Colorado travels to Eugene. Oregon's laying twenty and a half and seventy-two and a half. Give me the Ducks minus the points. And Ooh. here's the deal. 
Colorado's defense, 122 overall. They give up 460 yards a game, 265 in the air, 195 rushing, 30 points a game. While Oregon's defense is 30th overall, they haven't played in all the teams that Colorado has. 285 yards a game, 158 in the air, 127 rushing, 15 points a game. Colorado's offense, 23rd overall, 418 yards passing, 61 yards rushing. That's the key right there. That's the key. Oregon's offense, third overall, 587 yards in the average, 357 yards passing, 229 yards on the ground. They score 58 points a game. Oregon is 11-3 as ATS under Dan Lanning, 7-1 at home under Dan Lanning. I look for this to be ugly, quick. I'm talking quick. You cannot just sit back and throw the ball over and over and over against a comparable defense that can actually – Dan Lanning – We'll have these guys ready to go. So I look, I look for Oregon to hang half a hundred on them. All right. So I've got three picks this week: uh, Texas Tech, West Virginia. I think it's time for Texas Tech to do what we thought they were going to do the, the beginning of the season. So I think they're going to win by ten on uh, against West Virginia. Utah, UCLA. Um, I know you said it's a low-scoring game. I think that Utah is going to be too strong for UCLA, and I think they win by a touchdown. Final game, Kentucky-Vanderbilt. Mm. I think Kentucky's just going to manhandle. Their, their defense is averaging 11 points against them per game, although they haven't been, you know, played a whole bunch of big teams. But I kind of put Vanderbilt in that same category as these teams they've been playing. So I think Kentucky just whoops up on them this week. <clears throat> Let's transition on to this week's Stay in the Truck Awards. Before we do that, I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, a gentleman who will, in my mind, forever be a dog, but got his start down at the U. This weekend, uh, Mark Rick got inducted to the College Hall of Fame, and they presented that to him at Miami's football game. So shout-out Mark Rick, uh, even though didn't quite bring it home with those championships. He, he spent a lot of years at uh, – UGA did damn, a great job. Damn good dog. Damn yep. good dog. So and he retired sure. to Athens. Yeah. Good job, Mark. Yep. Appreciate you. All right. Yeah. So let's move on to this week's Stay in the Truck Awards. Chris? All right. My Stay in the Truck Award. Hey, man. While we're in, <laughs> while we're in Boulder, let's just stay in Boulder. My Stay in the Truck Award this week goes to the Colorado fans. These idiots in Colorado. Yes, it was a good game. Yes, it was a close game. Yes, all the stars came out. But these idiots in Colorado, after having to go to two overtimes to beat a team they were favored over by three touchdowns, stormed the field like they just won the national championship. So third third week of the season, favored by three touchdowns, and these clowns stormed the field after an overtime win. So they had to pass the hat to get Dion hired and paid his salary. So I, I mean, guess they got to pay pay the NCAA fine for that. I mean, come on, guys! Like it's a win at home against a shit team. Like act like you've been there before. Colorado fans, stay in the truck. Stay, stay in, in the, the truck. truck. All right, my uh, stay in the truck this week goes out to a little bit of NFL. Uh, Cam Akers. He was a 2020 second round pick by the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the first game, he had 22 carries for 29 yards, averaging just a little over one yard a carry. Uh, got the news today that Sean McVay is saying that they are looking to uh, trade Cam Akers. He sends out a tweet, I'm as confused as everyone else. Well, I don't think there's much confusion to be had when you're rushing for 29 yards on 22 carries. So 
Cam Akers, stay in the truck. Stay in the truck. Stay in the truck. My stay in the truck will go to the Colorado State Rams head coach, Jay Norvell. And not because running his mouth and all that other crap about sunglasses and hat. Here's the deal, man. You're a three-touchdown underdog. You lead for I don't know how much of the game, right? But you're winning, okay? You're winning. Fourth quarter rolls around. You're down by seven. You score a touchdown. What do you do? You kick the damn extra point instead of going for two and ending it right there. Go to overtime and your ass gets beat. What are you doing, man? I mean, you don't. This is not a go for overtime game. You are there. He could have could have took it all out right then and there. That'd have been the end of it. Instead, you kick the damn extra point. You go to overtime and you get beat. That's just ridiculous, ridiculous. I'm glad you're not my head coach. Stay your ass in Colorado State and stay in the truck. Stay in the truck. truck. So my stay in the truck award this week goes to the NCAA again. They are a repeat offender of the stay in the truck awards. So we had a controversial field goal that cost Iowa State the game. Ohio wins by three. Uh, Messes up all of Vegas uh, because they messed up the spread. That was minus one and a half because Ohio was the underdog. After many replays and analysis, it appears that the field goal was actually good. The controversy comes because the play was not reviewable. So according to NCAA rules, if the ball is higher than the top of the uprights as it crosses the end line, the play may not be reviewed. And all the rule book says about the field goal is that it must go between the uprights, crossbar and uprights are treated as a line, not a plane, in determining the forward progress of the ball. So apparently this rule had an effect on a game with Oklahoma State back in 2011 at the same time. Well, guess what, guys? It's 2023, and we have technology everywhere. We have a pylon cam, and we have a first down yellow line marker. We even show you how far it is to be within field goal range. How come we can't figure out how technology can extend the field goals up to infinity, just like they do with the end zone pylons? Why are we still in the middle of this type of discussion? So NCAA is on the struggle bus. They need to find ways to be relevant relevant again. I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to do that. NCAA, stay in the truck. Stay, stay in, the in the truck. truck. In the truck. That's it for this week's show. We really appreciate you tuning in. Please remember to like, subscribe, and leave us some comments. Let us know how we're doing. Stay in the truck.